Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, aka Wazney Lambray, joined as always by my brothers. My comrades, Nando Vila, out in sunny Santa Monica, California, man, catching yeah, waves, catching rays. That's me. You know what I mean? Eating, drinking kombucha. He's doing. Yeah. He's doing everything. <laughs> and of course, of course, my brother Michael Jamal Brooks in the on the planet of Brooklyn. What's going on, y'all? Not much, man. Hanging in there. Good. On today's show, we're gonna talk about Biden somehow. Extending his lead in the polls um, in the presidential race by literally doing nothing. (laughs) Um, What that might mean for the race for 2020. Going to get into the shenanigans going down in the state of Kentucky with that Senate race. Uh, At this point, they're not even hiding it. They're just doing it in plain sight and daring somebody, anybody to do something about it. But first, man, we had a nice commie wave (laughs) in the state of New York. Uh, uh, Primary wins by Jamal Bowman and Mundare Jones in New York's 16th and 17th districts. Uh, Just, you know, in the case of Jamal Bowman, who we highlighted here last week. Yeah. um, We helped him win. We helped him win. Yeah. Um, I actually sent some bread to the Bowman campaign, inspired by my discussion with you two brothers. Um, so I, I get to take a little bit of credit for this too, Nando. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I put some money where my mouth was and, and donated to the Bowman campaign. But yeah, man, he won in a landslide victory against an entrenched incumbent. And it's incredible, of course. 
AOC comes out victorious once again. Um, I think the AOC thing, I get a bit of satisfaction from. Obviously, it goes without saying the three of us love AOC. That's She stands for pretty much all of the things that we care about, working people, poor people issues, you know, trying to make America even some semblance of fair. Uh, but what I like is the small victories of, you know, whenever AOC is out and she's stumping for the causes that we do or whenever she's bucking against the Democratic Party's establishment, there's always this condescending like, oh, you barely won your little race in New York and it was really close and you need to stop acting like you're leading some kind of revolution. Like, get the hell out of here. You want to do things. We just want to be Democrats. <laughs> um, and, and so the condescension that she draws from so many of the establishment people about, oh, it was fluky, oh, it was lucky, oh, it was this, oh, it was that. And then by virtue of the actual work she put in, um, her constituents rewarded her with a landslide victory of like, yo, it, it's like straight up, keep doing that shit that you're doing. It's not a fluke that we elected you. It's not because you got lucky. You're doing the work that we elected you to do. And so I think the, you know, the victory just speaks volumes to that. And, and, and those idiots can't talk the way that they like to talk. And so I got a special gratification. And, you know, in these times, guys, it's the little victory at this point that we got to hold on to and, and, and be happy with. And so I got a special bit of gratification from that. Uh, Nando, um, what, what did you take from New York? Well, I mean, you mentioned the AOC victory. She beat a woman named Michelle Caruso Cabrera, who was a TV anchor. She was like a CNBC host who like covered, you know, Wall Street and was married to a uh, like hedge fund millionaire guy. Um, she was a registered Republican up until like two seconds ago. And there was like some rumblings going on in establishment liberal circles that were like, you know, AOC, she's not releasing her internal polling uh, in this race. You know, it could be much closer than anyone cares to admit. Uh, Michelle Caruso Cabrera, she's a, a Latina too, and she's on TV, so she's charismatic. And, uh, you know, that's the only reason why people like AOC, because she's a hot Latina who's charismatic. Um, they don't, you know, like, and she just absolutely crushed her. So that was, you know, obviously very very gratifying. But, you know, the, the Jamal Bowman race seems like a really big deal. I mean, we talked about it last week. Um, but right now, I mean, they just took down the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, like one of the most powerful people in the government. I mean, yep. it's just at the end of the day. Um, so that's a, that's a really, really big deal. And then Jabari Brisport, who's a very, very good socialist, um, you know, one of the state Senate or one of the state Senate primary, um, he yes. follows me on Twitter and retweets me every once in a while. So that makes him doubly good. Um, probably <laughs> yes, why he sir. won. Yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, listen, it's been, it's been awful, especially in the wake of Bernie's defeat. Um, the ruling class really, um, established itself as the ruling class in the Bernie race. And it, you know, it was, it, there was this feeling that of hopelessness that I, that I, felt every once in a while. And, you know, last night really gave us a little bit of a shot of adrenaline. And it was like, you know what, there are little victories to be had here and there. And, you know, AOC herself proved that 
you know, one, uh, you know, one big victory can be a big sea change in, in some ways. And, you know, we've seen the damage that AOC, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib have done. You know, that's three people. If we have 10, 20, we start having 30, 40 people, you know, like then we can do some real damage. So, you know, it was definitely progress and it was definitely nice to see the establishment hacks like Tom Watson, who we talked about, just absolutely eat shit. So that was great. Yeah. I mean, look, it was a really good night. Um, and also there was a primary in Virginia, uh, that I don't have, uh, I wish I, I should have had it in front of me, but basically, uh, left wing doctor of, I think South Asian descent, uh, you know, ran in a, an insurgency, took that primary. Um, Jamal Bowman is, is really, I mean, he, he definitely just has, you know, he's, he's a very, um, He's just an appealing candidate. Mm. Um, he'll definitely bring, uh, obviously, something extremely different than than Elliot Engel to Congress. Um, I mean, I, I think like not to be in any way like a downer. I just think that we need to like you know keep a little bit in check. That you know the truth was was that several months ago we were actually working to elect a truly transformative president. And, you know, look, it's proven definitely, it seems increasingly so, that there's room to take off these old hacks in New York and replace them with infinitely better people like AOC and Jamal Bowman. Is that going to start getting rep you know, replicated across the country is the big question. That's also why we will get to Kentucky, where Booker, I mean, that, the Booker race has been really inspiring. Um, and, you know, there's still some out there like, uh, you know, uh, less uh, less of a media market. Um, you know, he's a less exciting candidate. But Andrew Romanoff is definitely significantly better than Hickenlooper. That's like mm. another pretty strong contrast. Who, endorsed by Elizabeth Warren. Endorsed by Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Uh, coming riding to the rescue of, uh, yeah. of, of the, the uh, pro fracking, uh, the guy who drank fracking on live TV, fracking <laughs> for yeah. healthcare, Hickenlooper. Um, the only one I want to say is, I mean, I, I actually, you know, there was some good candidates like Isaiah James, who definitely, you know, was running a really uphill battle, but I think was a great candidate. I like Lauren Ashcroft as well. Um, there was some others who came up short. Uh, Julia Salazar is also back in the state Senate. She's been doing really, really good work. So that's also good news along with Jabari. Um, the one actually, and I, I think it's New York's, uh, I want to say ninth maybe, but honestly, I'm not sure. But uh, Richie Torres, you know, made uh, history as yes. a young, openly gay man. Uh, he's on the New York City Council. I think this is a, I mean, there are races where, the, you know, the politics and policy and representation are synchronized, like Bowman. Um, I think in Torres's case, uh, that's actually a step down. Uh, Jose Serrano. Uh, talk who, about that. Please it, talk about it, that to the people. Yeah. So Jose Serrano represented that district. Um, he's of uh, Puerto Rican descent. He had basically he's in his late 70s and unfortunately has Parkinson's disease, which is why he to run again. I mean, that's a very horrible disease, as people know. And if you look at his record, I mean, this was a guy who fought aggressively for the interests of his neighborhood, was very serious on a pro-poor, anti-poverty agenda, yep. but also, like, invited Hugo Chavez to speak in his district when Chavez was at the U.N., 
um, signed letters, um, you know, in support of democracy in Brazil and around the Lula uh, issue, and also was somebody who did a lot of work around political prisoners and, and other things re related to Puerto Rico. So, you know, in a, in a town with like a huge amount of machine politics, a huge amount of obviously real estate and Wall Street money, uh, he really stood out. I mean, he was a really, really good congressperson. And there was a great can candidate in uh, Semelita, um, for some reason, I can just never- Semelis Lopez. Semelis Lopez, she was a really good candidate. She was the candidate we supported. Bernie and AOC did endorse her. She pulled up to about 13% uh, in the poll, you know, uh, in the final vote tally. Data for Progress, which I think was involved in Torres' campaign, you know, they put out a poll showing her at 2%, which I don't really believe. And the other dynamic of that district was um, there was this paranoia that uh, Diaz Sr., uh, who was like this, you know, virulently anti-gay, anti-trans. Mm, uh, Pro-Trump. Pro-Trump, but yeah. maybe— <laughs> but Sheen, I mean, his son is the Bronx Borough president, so there's Jesus concerns that he Christ. would come in. Um, but you know, I think I have to say, like in Torres's case, looking at his overall record, I mean, this is not um, this is somebody you know watered down, fake police reform, real estate money. I don't think, I mean, I think that's kind of a downgrade policy wise. But obviously, with Mondaire Jones and Jamal Bowman, those are some huge upgrades. Mondaire Jones also uh, openly gay black man. Uh, going to be the first probably member of Congress, openly gay black man, him and Richie Torres both. So, yeah. No, wow. so that's significant. Also, I think Mondaire Jones, I mean, Mondaire Jones defeated a former prosecutor, who I think spent like $4 million of his own money. Yeah. So also, I mean, there's a lot of ways. I mean, there, there was How does a prosecutor make that much money? I think it's family. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's like People's Hernandez says in the Shaft remake of 1997, in edited. Yeah, he's like Chuck. He's like Chuck Rhodes in Billions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You made it the old-fashioned way. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know, um, just wanted to talk about New York because we just wanted to circle back because of last week, and we spent so much time talking about the silliness of um, Hillary Clinton coming out and supporting the opponent of a Jamal Bowman. Like it's just. Ridiculous, but guess what? They lost. They were defeated handily. Um, things are still ticking back in the right direction, even after, as Mike mentioned, um, you know, in the wake of Bernie's defeat to crazy Joe Biden. Um, in Kentucky, Charles Booker is in a very close, hotly contested Senate race. And we wanted to talk about Kentucky because what they're doing down there literally closing the polling stations in places that they know Booker is very popular in order to keep this, in order to win this race. And it becomes one of those things with voter suppression where it's not about like, and I know the, the cynical view and how the right is always going to position it is that, well, you guys are only for it or against it because um, it favors the left. And it's just like, dude, it's voting. Yeah. Like, all you people talk about is American values and blah, 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 democracy and all this other crap is all we ever hear out of these fools' mouths. And this is like, I don't even know what's more central to the democracy than going out and voting. And they just blatantly, in plain sight, just do crazy shit. Just like, straight up, messed up stuff and you know 
we're probably not going to get into the Roberts court and their decision on the Shelby County case to basically strip the Voting Rights Act of any of its teeth, which if you don't know and you're listening at home, when LBJ passed this shit um, in, in, in the 1960s, part of the provisions was you states who have shown a history of targeting people, African-Americans, whatever, people who you don't like um, with ridiculous voting rules and changes and all of that you are now disallowed to make any for making any changes to your voting rules you um, need pre-clearance uh, to do you it. need pre-clearance from the doj to do so and it's targeted states and it's straight up like yo you're not allowed to do this because of your history mm. well john roberts in his infinite wisdom and my man chuck pierce calls it when john roberts declared the day of jubilee <laughs> Essentially, southern states are so, no longer racist. They don't yeah. longer, we don't need this shit anymore. They they love black people. They don't we don't need this. One of the state, you know, there, there's a district I think in Queens too. Wasn't of course, just, oh, of course, across the country, across the yeah. country where people were doing shenanigans as yep. far as you know alienating people from the franchise. And so that's why you're able and and the second this freaking Supreme Court ruling went down, um, states and it wasn't and I shouldn't say just southern states. You saw it in Wisconsin. You saw it in North Carolina. You saw it all over the place. Republican state legislators was like, let's go. Let's get to it. And that's what they've done. And guess what? It's it's born fruit for them. Yeah. They've won statewide races and been able to jerry-rig situations for them to maintain power all over the country. And what you're seeing in Kentucky is no different. But, you know, Charles Booker still holding his own in a really close race. Yeah. So in Kentucky, like what they did is they they basically shut down tons of polling stations like Louisville, which is the biggest city in Kentucky, a city of 600,000 people, had one polling place. Wow. For the whole for the whole city. And, um, you know, some of these polling places like, you know, closed early and then the Booker campaign uh, filed an injunction. People were like there's videos of people literally slamming on the windows trying to trying to get into the polling place. Um, and they, they filed an injunction. A judge granted it. They have to open till 9 p.m. Then they opened it for a little bit. They tried to close it early again, like all kinds of, like you said, shenanigans. Um, and that state is that that race is really interesting because um so it's Mitch McConnell's state, right? He's the he's the Senate Majority Leader, probably the most powerful Republican outside of Trump uh, in the country. One of the most son powerful of the politicians. Confederacy, Mitch yeah, son McConnell. of the Confederacy. One of the most one of the most consequential politicians in American history, history. probably certainly of the most of the last 30, 40 years. I mean, um, who's even like a non-president? Who can you even like, point to? Like Henry Clay? <laughs> like, seriously, yeah. that's been yeah. this influential when you talk yeah. about the court packing yeah. and the deregulation stuff and the, the tax cuts. Like, he has yeah. been definitional to Republican politics for the last 20 years. Yeah. So that 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 state's interesting, right? Because, I mean, obviously, if Democrats can somehow knock him out. I mean, that would be a political earthquake unlike we've seen almost ever. And of course, the Democrats like run these kind of 
very soft, uh, <laughs> you know, moderate types. They, you know, and they, they got behind this woman, Amy McGrath, the whole establishment. And, you know, she's whatever. She's just kind of like your standard Dem, uh, nothing to write home about. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they, they, they did all they could to crush this guy, Matt Jones, who is a sports radio host in Kentucky. Um, you know, the most popular sports radio host in the, in the state actually. So like he, he would have had like a big chance of winning, but then they, they essentially ended up like kind of forcing him out of the race by doing all kinds of dirty tricks. Um, but then this guy, Charlie Booker came out of nowhere, Charles Booker in, and it, and his campaign really took off after the George Floyd protests kind of swept the country, especially, you know, in Kentucky where it was, where Breonna Taylor was murdered. Um, so he like put himself firmly in the protest camp, whereas like Amy McGrath, like didn't go to the protests and, you know, she's like not allying herself with that. And it looks like he might have won the Senate primary, the, the Democratic primary. I mean, it's it's not we're not going to know for a few days exactly. But, you know, she had the lead in early vote totals. But there are sources that claim that in certain urban districts, um, Booker has just like a massive lead. And until they get those counted, um, they, we won't know. But it, it, it looks like he might have won. And then if if he does, if he does manage to pull out the victory, that race in November Booker versus McConnell, like, man, that would be, that is like the race right now. Like that would be just the, yeah. That would be the epicenter. I mean, that's going to be like the clearest good versus evil. I mean, that's everything in, you know, like an architect of, as you said, I mean, of court packing, of reversing gains and voting rights, civil rights, and I mean, like, what know, hasn't Mitch McConnell done? That's pure evil. He's, he's a grave figure of democracy. Yeah, I mean, he really is. I, I really what's interesting is like, again, obviously, Trump has authoritarian tendencies. I actually would say and I recommend everybody read this book called Democracy in Chains by Nancy McLean about like the intellectual history of libertarianism in the Republican Party. It's it's all anti-democratic to the core. Yeah. But. If you, but a lot of the kind of like specific rhetoric which people re- reserve for Trump could honestly be, I mean, just accurately deployed at, at Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is an enemy of open democratic government in every way, shape, form, and just a bagman for every you know corporate interest imaginable. And he's also struck this amazing balance politically where, you know. Across the rest of the country, he's he's, you know, slashing the social safety net, giving money to rich people. And then he's bringing he the bacon. He always home. gets it back to Kentucky. He's master of that. And, yeah. and so Charlie and I want to say, too, like Amy McGrath. Yeah, like she is like a conventional Democrat in the sense that, like, most Democrats, you know, suck. But <laughs> sorry. It's true. Just couldn't help some <laughs> folks. But, but really, like, you know, Trump is popular in Kentucky. So right. when she announced, I think she was on Morning Joe. I mean, one of the first things she did, I mean, she tried to be like cute about it because she kind of was like she was trying to sort of like hit McConnell for being pro corporate. But she said it basically being like, you know, like Donald Trump's trying to do these things for workers and Mitch McConnell isn't helping them. And, you know, like I'm a Democrat, but I'll be there to help Donald Trump. So, like, just the idea that I'm just like all these other, you know, like, I mean, across the country, but just especially in any kind of southern state, the idea 
that you're going to be the standard bearer of a party that, you know, again, at its base is working black people. And, and your fucking announcement day, you talk about collaborating with like the primary it's, it's enemy of black people. Like, fuck you. It's so tone I, I, deaf. Watching, uh, watching Charlie Brooker's campaign, you know, and, and it's always these things like I've just gotten more, you know, it's like I've seen it take off on social media. We follow each other like all these other candidates and I do and whatever. And it's great. But you don't really know, you know, yeah. until the voting happens. And it looks like this was real. It was not just the social media phenomenon. And it's really inspiring. And it also shows like voter repression is at the center. And by the way, it's not just Republicans, right? I mean, because in this, I mean, it is mostly structurally Republicans. But in this case, clearly there's an issue inside the Democratic Party where this wouldn't be happening. 100%. And, you know, just to get back to what you were talking about, um, when it comes to sucky ass Dems and their insistence on like the idea that these people are still thirsty for bipartisanship. Like mm. who does that play to? Does that really play to anyone with half a freaking brain? Like who are you playing to? It's almost like the Republicans are like the jocks in high school. Like they're the winners and the yeah. Dems want nothing but to desperately be like them and just get their approval and just get them to work with us in this. And it's just like, it's freaking, I, I don't even even, I don't even know how to describe it, man. It's just like a, 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 a syndrome at this point that you will get up on morning Joe, but you know what, Mike, I should take that back on um, morning Joe. If you're going to do that shit anywhere, Morning yep. Joe is pro If you're watching Morning Joe, um that you know you what suck. that's probably the place that you need to do that um do do that at. And you know, speaking of Morning Joe, uh and you know, we're moving on from Kentucky. Joe Biden has extended his lead in the polls. Um he's killing this dude like yeah. it's just getting worse it's getting worse and worse by the day and you know in our pre-production little discussion guys i asked you i'm like what is there any updates out of biden world because like i feel like i haven't really heard anything like and you guys are like no He's not doing anything. He's mm -hmm. literally just letting this guy president. Just go ahead. Do all the presidenting that you can. And you just make us look all the more appealing day by day by day. And um, it's kind of crazy to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, I'm seeing polls. I mean, I, I, I think I saw him up seven points in Florida in, in a late poll. Like, I was like, that's insane to me. You know, and I think it. <laughs> You know, sometimes the conventional wisdom is correct, and that mm -hmm. is like, you know, as the economy goes, so does the president's prospects, <laughs> and we're seeing the largest economic collapse in probably 100 years, so it's no surprise <laughs> that the, uh, the president would take a, a hit in his popularity as a result, you know, regardless of whether who's to blame or what's to blame, you know, the president at the time always just gets blamed for economic hardship. So, you know, we are seeing this, and, and, it's, and it's bearing out in the polls, and also, not just that, but just the sense of upheaval. It's not just it's not just an economic 
slump, which there undoubtedly is, but it's this sense of chaos and upheaval, you know, <laughs> which, which often tends, tends to hurt the incumbent. You know, it's, it's like Mike, Mike says it all the time. Like the, the thing that American voters crave above everything else at, at a certain point is normalcy, you know, a sense of normalcy. And, you know, like I think people had kind of adjusted themselves to the, the, the constant hum of Trump, you know, like say like 2018 Trump, 2019 Trump, like, you know, the, the yeah, the, the insane things on Twitter and, you know, the insane press conference and people had kind of accepted that and, and maybe that felt like a new normal. But this, the things that we've seen in the last couple months, especially with coronavirus and the and the uprisings on the street, that that does not feel normal at all to people. So Biden is like you said, he's just he's just fucking staying on the sidelines, just letting him burn himself. It's just it's kind of remarkable. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. A, a presidential candidate dominating by not doing anything. It's just it really is like it's like that line in in dodgeball, you know, bold strategy cotton. We'll see if it works out with for him, but it looks like it's actually working out for him. Dodgeball's such a great movie. Yeah, um, it's so underrated. Such a great movie. But I think uh yeah, man, I just like yeah, I think that that's always the the message I hit because I think that uh, you know, a lot of people on different parts of the left need to have a sense of it as well, which is just like most people for better and for worse, I think in some ways for better, you know, in certain ways and for definitely obviously for worse in many. Yeah, they just want things to like calm down. Yeah. Yep. Want like, you know, and and so and I, and I think with Trump, too, it's like you can't. Okay, like you can't run on imposing order when you're presiding <laughs> disorder. Right. Also, the other thing too is he's really not like I'm not saying that this would save him, but it's very interesting watching him now versus in 2016. So he's still funny, like he yeah. still do like a good stand-up riff, but <laughs> none of it, none of it is as like. The stuff he did with like Marco Rubio, like oh, perfect. Like we're talking about stuff that was genuinely like hilarious. Burst like th like this is the funniest stuff <clears throat> in culture, and especially like you know, I think there was just so much like sense among certain people that like this is all bullshit. Like might as well have an entertainment product. Yeah. The other two things that happened is like. He he definitely I think was seen more and more, especially contrasted with today. He really did do some of the fake economic populism in 2016. He was talking He's, about trade yeah. deals. He was talking about, and right now it's like he is a hundred percent in a crazy right wing bubble. So yeah. like when he first ran, he had he was like. All right, like I'm a racist asshole, and I know that people want to hear that shit in the Republican primary. Boom, got you. But I also know that yeah. a lot of people resent the elites and income distribution, all yeah. this stuff. He talked Boom. about the he wars. Had Bannon. He, yeah, talked he talked about the wars. I, I don't want to give him too much credit, but he had Bannon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's. I think it is partially Bannon, but I, and and it's also like, and again, it's funny because like you, a part of me is like, well, Trump can't talk all that shit because he's been president as just a standard issue Republican for three years. But the truth is, like, that doesn't matter. He lies all the time anyways. Right. I really think his instincts are just not what they were. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, he's just in a – he's in, like, the loser position. Like, it's so funny to watching them, like, spin, like, oh, why is Biden af afraid to debate? And it's like you – know, we were saying on TMBS, it's like, well, because debating's for nerds. 
Right. <laughs> like that's what's great. Like like Biden, it, it, like Bernie. Obviously, Bernie would have been beautiful, but it's like he can't get a toehold on Bernie because Bernie's just focused on the issues. In a weird way, you can't get a toehold on Biden either because Biden's just like, yeah, whatever, champ. Like, <laughs> come on, Jack. Yeah, come on. I'm in a fucking basement. I can't even stream right. I'm still kicking <laughs> ass. Like, think it's gonna work out. You know what's interesting I I haven't thought about that Is his posture is different Because he's he's on defense now Yeah Whereas he was an underdog Was supposed to lose His campaign was seen And even he saw his campaign As a mostly a joke When he started it And so it was like I can do or say anything But now that you've you know, sort of accrued this power and you feel like you have to hold on to shit. Like you don't look as sturdy, right? Like you're grabbing at stuff, you're reaching at straws. And then, you know, a lot of the stuff that drove 2016 was, remember the crowds. He never, he loved talking about his crowds. Like that was what, it was like, every time I say some crazy shit, they go crazy. I just need to come up with more crazy stuff. And again, you mix that in, Mike, like you said, with the populist stuff. And we don't need to get into whether it was genuine or not. He was talking about NAFTA. He was talking about um, the elites in the Republican Party. He was talking about the corruption of both sides. He knows because he was rich and corrupted them. He was doing all of that stuff. And now as an incumbent, like he has like he's not in in because he was his plan, obviously, because the economy was going in one direction the whole fucking presidency. His plan was literally just to be like, all I did was make this the greatest yep. economy in the history of humankind. Like, that's what he was going to run on. Nothing else. It wasn't going to be about the wall. It wasn't going to be about this. It was like, I have made the most prosperous America in the history of life. And you need to give me four more years to keep doing it. And accidental events, man, like freak events have conspired against it and are just destroying this. It's, it's destruction. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm not going to like call the race right now. Or no, anything like no, that. no, um, no, no, because, no, no, no. We've done enough because race we've known. On this show. <laughs> yeah, we know that this shit can change yeah. very quickly, and yeah. we are living in very convoluted times, very unpredictable times. We don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Um, but I'm right, sure though, I, I'm sorry. Like, I know I'm. I'm whatever. I can end up making an embarrassment of myself here, but I. <laughs> I don't think you get the second term. I really don't. I, I you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, the only thing, the only doubt that that I have is that at some point, Biden's going to have to campaign on some level. Like he can't stay out <laughs> of it the whole time. You know, like at some point when, as and the media is going to start focusing in a lot more. You know, as we get closer to November, and at some point, you know, and 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 Biden when he does actually campaign, just usually trends downward <laughs> you know like it's people like the idea of biden but when they're confronted with him um directly they're usually like oh no he's not he's not as good as i thought he was the thing um, is like i saw that the new new york times poll sienna poll that has biden up by double digits it's like B- biden's approve disapprove is like 26 27 like it's split like 26 people it's crazy but, but, but trump's is 27 
50 something. Yeah. Right. He's underwater. He's underwater. Yeah. He him. Like he, and, and that to me, like that was the most, that's what killed Hillary. That was the number with Hillary. That told yeah. the whole story. It was like the people who disliked both of them voted for Trump. And in this yeah. case, yeah. people who dislike both of them are going for Biden. I really, I don't know, man. I just don't. Because to me, it's like the events are way ahead of him and he doesn't have the strategic capacity to like. And even like with Biden, it's like, yeah, OK, so Biden's going to go out and campaign. And like compared to what? You know what I mean? Like yeah, Biden's yeah. Out and like, yeah, he seems a little senile versus like this guy is just like, I was, I was, you know, I actually invented Star Trip Trooper, uh, Starship Troopers and I never got credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be, so, would be a bad campaign slogan. And so, so before we just move on from this, I would like to know, I would like to get your thoughts on like, what is the strategy for Biden going forward? Not, is it literally just more let silence? Him himself. Yeah, let him hang himself. That's it. I mean, that's it. You know, it's 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 do, do as few events as possible when they when you do do them, make them like incredibly controlled and managed and short right. <laughs> and um, and just let him hang himself. Let him hang himself. That's that's the only I mean, and he shouldn't do. I mean, that would be the wisest strategy. Like, do not do anything, Joe Biden. That would be the best. Um, when he <laughs> does try to do something, he usually fucks it up. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, because Trump is so clearly floundering right now. Um, the stuff where he had to explain to the crowd about him being scared to walk down the steps. And I was just yeah. like, what is this dude doing? Like, that's just not... That's not the Trump brand showing vulnerabilities, um, sh- 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 letting them see you sweat. The water like, cup was, a, was <laughs> right. Like the water, like it's just he seems to just be floundering, and that shit in Tulsa where it was just basically an empty crowd of people. That was very not good for him. Not good, and you know, you know, the problem was that. You backed it like you canceled the event or moved it or whatever. And so you signal to the people, um, yo, we're kind of doing something nasty right now. And I think that's why people didn't show up. If he would have did his normal Trump bluster, like, what are these people talking about? Typical libtards going overboard and making a stink over nothing. Um, I think it would have been different. But he openly admitted, like, sheesh, like, these are pretty messed up optics. And that signal got to his people and people didn't show up. And, uh, of course, he's just like, wow, my thing is getting crowds to come see you know, the bearded lady, the, the circus act, and he can't even do that now. He is just in trouble. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, the, you know, the coronavirus thing also definitely, you know, is going to hurt him in terms of the crowd standpoint. I mean, I think people, you know, there's some idiots who are like, fuck it, I'm going to go. But I think, you know, even like tons of like his Republican base are still pretty freaked out about the coronavirus. And they now, skew older, they, so they was, should be freaked out. Yeah. That was interesting, right? Because it, yeah. I mean... There's clearly a lot of people who are saying it's a conspiracy and not wearing masks and freedom and blah, 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 blah. But at least so far, there has not been a critical enough mass uh, mass of people to actually say, we're going to go to this rally and yeah. be fucks. Yeah. And that is a problem. That's the problem. I just I, – yeah, man, I don't – I mean, it's, well, it's it, – imagining a Joe Biden presidency is just funny. I mean, it's just – you know, <laughs> it really is funny. Like it's 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 hilarious in, in you know the Trump 
presidency is one of the funniest things to ever happen to America. But the Joe Biden one is funny for very, very different reasons, you know, but it's it's still pretty funny. <laughs> it's like uh, those those le- there was like this string of Soviet leaders between Brezhnev and Gorbachev, which is yeah. like they were just there for like nine months. Yeah, like, they just kept dying. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chernenko and and Dropov, they just literally just kept on dropping dead. Yeah, uh, and like wandering around the 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 Kremlin, just like being like, where where am I? I don't have any optimism about it, but I mean, his his VP pick is gonna matter. Yeah, I mean, it's probably gonna be Kamala at this point. I think it's gonna be Kamala. Look, yeah. dude, guys, what the fuck is up with her, man? She is like she's the, the combination that she has. <laughs> no, because I'm saying like she. At know. times, and I know I've said like there are times where it's like you know what she yes like she's she she's seems got impressive right like cool, and then there's times like you know what it is you know what struck me about it is that it's weirdly like did you guys see the thing on Colbert that she yeah had? it was so weird it was and you know it was so, okay so she's on Colbert and Colbert's like. You know, you hit, you flayed Biden pretty hard, and now like everything is great. Like, how does that work? And she just starts laughing. She's like, <laughs> "It was a debate." Like, it doesn't matter what I say. Like, oh it my god! What I say. It was a debate. But you know what was funny to me about it was like what was what made it doubly weird though is like as phony as she is, she's like authentic enough to not get how fucking weird that looks to people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like. She didn't say like, well, I sat down with Joe Biden and we had a heart to heart and I realized that that she's just like, no, I was trying to score points in the debate. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't actually believe any of this shit. And so there is like this part of her that's actually like very awkward, very stilted. I, also, I, I think um, that I think it's underrated is that black women really like her. Um, yeah. She didn't get nobody like, voted for her though. Like, uh, well, they like her on the Internet. And so I think she's gonna get she's gonna get people to um, be advocates on her behalf amongst that cohort. And by black women, I mean like people my age and a little bit older who went to a freaking who went to college, might have went to grad school, is in a sorority, you know, a fancy Negro type. They really dig her, like really, it, really it would, dig her. It would get like the woke liberal. I'm telling you, kind bro, of intelligentsia to be you. comfortable with like really going full throated for Biden. You know, it's like we're gonna get a black woman in the White House, like the you know like the, I mean? the Ray McKesson, oh, the, the, the Ray yeah. McKesson types, man. They, they're gonna be down. They're gonna be. They're gonna fall in line. They're gonna get in line quickly. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Those types. Oh, yeah. um, in she, a way that they wouldn't with Klobuchar. Hell no! 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 They I Why was that even a fucking consideration? It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah that, um. I, shit. Imagine like you're out of the running because you didn't prosecute George Floyd's murderer, and in fact, didn't of course didn't do a damn thing about police brutality and violence. As a matter of fact, went after and harassed the Somali community. So you're not going to be VP and you go out on MSNBC and you're like, it should be a black woman. Yeah. um, I I think Jaden Warren though. That was funny. I think Kamala Harris, uh, me and Nando had that conversation about liberals 
um, and what they like on here that day, she profiles perfectly yeah. for what they like. It's like, look, she's black, so she's with it, yeah. you know, and she <laughs> understands authority and, you know, she comes from institutions and blah, 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 blah. And she went to the schools and like she profiles perfectly, like the way she speaks all of that shit. Um, and she uh, she's from California. Like, it's going to they're going to eat that shit up. Yeah. Um, so. Which whatever, you know, I'm not going to wave any pom poms over it. But, you know, life goes on, I guess. I, I think Val Demings being from Florida and ironically, the fact that she's literally a cop. Keeps her, <laughs> keeps her in the running. I do. I think. I think it's probably Kamala, but just I, no I, one knows who the fuck she so is. You know, right? Like literally, no one knows who she is. You know, Kamala at least has some sort of national profile. Profile. It'll probably be her. It'll probably be her. I've said it was from the beginning. It was going to be her. Yeah, I mean, it makes. It was never going to be Warren because Biden fucking hates Warren. Biden has days. Did you but, guys? Uh, did you guys see the meme that after Klobuchar said it should be a woman of color that the, uh, Elizabeth Warren is a na- Native American? She could get it. Oh God, that's that's not nice. That's not nice. That's not nice, yo. That's not nice. That's fucking hilarious. Um, and with that, we can bring today's show to a close. Of course. Make sure you're becoming a Patreon of Count the Dings. That's patreon.com backslash Count the Dings for just extra content. Count the Dings after dark. The dad pod, a variety of things that we do behind the paywall. Um, and also helps put money behind bringing shows to you like Bomb, like The Woke Bros, like Cinephobe, and a variety of things that we do here at Count the Dings. Of course, make sure you become a Patreon of TMBS, The Michael Brooks Show. Those guys, Left is Best, is, is just doing it. Every other day, I get a new follower with something to say, Left is Best in the profile. That's how I know these, these brothers is leading the movement over <laughs> there at TMBS. And of course, make sure you, you subscribe to Let's Pot It Out, Nando's Entourage Recap Pod. Um, it's fantastic. It's funny. It's smart. It's sharp. Make sure you're paying attention to that. Uh, we'll be seeing you guys next week, man. Um, obviously, I'm Big Waz for Nando Vila and Michael Brooks. We out of here. Peace.